Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. And today we get an exciting, an exciting story to tell here. Um, this is where Elijah calls down fire from heaven. So today's message is, is fire from heaven. And to give us a quick review of what happened is what's happened so far is that God took an or- ordinary person, Elijah, and he's done extraordinary things to him already. And now it's about to get really extraordinary today. But God drew near to him. He was... Uh, Brokenhearted at Kareth, that first place he went to where he was fed by ravens. God drew near to him and took care of him. Uh, he, he used and he blessed and he refined Elijah at the Zarephath, which was the next stop when the widow was feeding him. Uh, and God does the same thing for us. He meets us in our Kareths, our place of humility and, and being broken. And he also refines us through the difficulties in life. When we go through difficult times, it's good for us to understand God's just not taking us through it to, to punish us or to, uh, to have fun and toy with us. Uh, he's refining us through those things. There are things we should learn in there. And I know I have certain times through difficulties been like, Lord, I don't want to learn anything. I just want this to stop. <laughs> I don't care what you want me to learn. And so it's, it's good to acknowledge that because when you acknowledge that to God, it's at that point when he can say, all right, I think I've figured out where the problem is. <laughs> you don't want to grow and acknowledge me as Lord in every area. Then you just want to kind of use me to get your stuff. And so God refines us and he, he reveals his will one day at a time. Last week we saw that we were waiting on God. Uh, that's what Elijah was doing for three plus years. He was waiting on God to speak and God was doing all those things. And finally God spoke to him. And so... Um, what we're going to look at today is this, this fire from heaven. So let's get started in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 and 18. And you can see here on the screen with me if you want to follow along here. So it starts out like this. When he saw Elijah, and he here is King Ahab. So Ahab's the one that Elijah went to right out of the gate in the very beginning. He went to him and said, King, it's not going to rain here anymore. It's going to be a lot of death. It's not going to rain until I say so. So then God took him away on a three-year journey, took Elijah away on a three-year journey, and it didn't rain for all that time. And so now what we saw last week, I don't think I clarified everything, uh, but God sent word and he went back to uh, Elijah and told him, go and talk to Ahab again. And uh, there was a guy named Obadiah that's in the, in the scene too. And I was like, what? 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 Ahab's going to kill us. He's been killing people, prophets. All this time, and you've been all, you're all by yourself, Elijah. You've been safe, but he's been killing us. And so um, th- there was this opposition. And so he went uh, back and he uh, stood before King Ahab. And this is when he is there before Ahab. And so when Ahab king saw Elijah, he said to Elijah, is that you, you troubler of Israel? He's like, you're causing all this stuff. You're, you're the one, you're, you're why Israel is like suffering right now because there's no rain. And you're the one who started this. And then 
Elijah says, uh-uh, nuh-uh. He says, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family had. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. When I first saw this, it made me think of like, you started. No, you started it. You know, kind of the, the blame game. But Elijah says, no, don't blame me. I didn't start this. This has happened because you've abandoned God. And you've started worshiping these false gods, the Baals. And that's why it didn't rain. God was showing them, which Baal, remember, was the god of, of rain and of the crops. And so God took those things away and exposed the fact that Baal was a false god. And so now he's standing before him, and Elijah is, is known as a troubler. He's trying to blame him and, uh, because Ahab is, is blind from the truth. He can't see the truth of what's happening. And many times that's who we are. We're blind of, of the truth of what's happening too. And so what, would he, what do we do? We start to point fingers. Like you're the reason. If, if life, would, life would be better if you weren't here. Oh, don't we see that in our culture so much? Especially in the political realm and, and just you know, a lot of areas where we just point fingers. We love to point fingers at other people. So Elijah is, is called by God here to go and to stand for truth and to confront Ahab again. And it's going to get more interesting than just it's not going to rain for three and a half years. I mean, that's just can be, can be explained away sometimes, maybe like when you're married for three and a half years, it's a, a famine or something. But this is going to be really amazing. First Kings chapter 18, verse 18 uh, and or excuse me, 19 through 21. Um, now, some of the people. So this is what Elijah said. He said. It started because of you. Now, here's what I want you to do, King. Summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So there's like 850 prophets that are going to be gathered. And then there's Elijah and God. So sometimes when God calls us to do something, you're like, oh, snap. I'm, I'm kind of all, all on my own here. And so that's what it's imperative for us to understand that we're not alone when we are with God. You plus God is the majority. 850 prophets, 850,000 prophets are no match for the Lord. It wasn't a popular opinion either. He really stood against the popular opinion of the time. So Ahab sent word through Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? He says this, this is really important. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. So I think that's really, you don't have to do a lot of contextualization here. We still need to understand this principle that we should be following God. Who? So who is God? How do we prove who he is? And so if he says, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And then Elijah said, oh, and what did they say? But the people said what? Nothing. Nothing. They just kind of were there quietly and didn't say anything. They were just, uh, just going to like, you know what? I don't really want to respond to that right now. And so then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. And so uh, all the prophets of God had been killed during that time that, that Elijah was away. God was protecting him. Remember we talked about how uh, not only was he feeding him and humbling him, but he was also using that time of that three plus years. He was protecting him. And so many times we go through these difficulties in life and think, why am I here? 
Why am I going through this? And many times it's because God is protecting us from something. He's protecting us. He's not just trying to mold us. He's doing all kinds of stuff. God does all kinds. Of, he's a great multitasker. All right? He doesn't get distracted. I, I focus on one thing at a time. God's not limited by that. He's doing all these things at one time. And so he says that. So they, he says, get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves. And let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood so that, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood and not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he's the God. And then all the people said, hey, that's a good idea. We can get behind this. I like, I like this. And so Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. And since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they did that. They took the bull, given them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. And so they began to just cry out and cry out and cry out. And they were not answered by Baal in their cries. And then Elijah kind of gets a little chippy. Let's say chippy. And he says at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. He's like, shout louder. He said, surely he's a god. Maybe he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and, and must be awakened. So he's like, you know, messing with him. He's like, hey guys, try, try this. Shout a little louder. Maybe you just got to rouse him up and, and, and get his attention. And so what do they do? They shout louder. And then they go further. They slash themselves with swords and spears as, with their, as, with their, as was their custom until their blood flowed. One of the things that, that comes with um, idolatrous lives and when we, we, we look to gods other than Jesus is that we put a lot of emphasis on our own sacrifices. And so they would do cutting of themselves and they would have blood on that. But see, Christianity is very different for one huge reason. God doesn't ask us to do that. He says, I love you so much that I'm going to give my life for you, that I'm going to be cut, that I'm going to be crucified for you. So Jesus gives his life for us. And that's where grace comes in. It's not what we do for God, but it's what God does for us. This is the beauty of Christianity. And God is, is showing this, that, that he is here for us, that he is providing for us. And so they did this and then midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until there was time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. And no one paid attention. Isn't that horrible to think about crying out? Crying your, your heart out and just nobody is there to answer. There are a lot of people, maybe in our lives, and maybe there's times in your lives where you feel like nobody's hearing you. That you're crying for help. And nobody's there for you. There are people in our communities that are they're trying all kinds of things in order to connect with God or to find deeper meaning in life. And what we have in Jesus is, is the answer that they're looking for that, that we can say that someone has responded. Someone has answered. Someone is paying careful attention to you. And his name 
is Jesus. What happens though when we start to, to, to wander in the idols of the world and we start to emphasize things that are not Jesus is we, we start to become like these people. We start to get blinded by our actions and, and we, we kind of justify what we're doing because it makes sense to us, but it's not God's word. It makes us, it, it robs us of our love for God. It robs us of, the, of peace, of knowing that God is with us and God is for us. It makes us like double-minded to where we're, we'll be hypocritical. We'll say one thing and do another. It, it, instead of being a light in the darkness, we tend to fade and become dark ourselves. So it's Elijah's turn. In verse 30, he says, Then Elijah came to all the people and he says, Come here to me. So they came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And then Elijah took 12 stones and one stone for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. Remember, Jacob's name was Jacob, and then God gave him a new name named Israel, and that's where the nation of Israel comes from. He says, your name shall be Israel. And with the stones... These stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he arranged the wood, and he cut the bull into pieces, and he laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, I want you to fill four jars, large jars with water, and I want you to pour it on the offering and on the wood. Now, does that make sense if you're going to call down fire to pour water on something? Uh, we went camping a few weeks back for Memorial Day weekend, and it rained the entire weekend. Uh, and so the, the wood was wet, and it smoked a lot more, you know, and it didn't burn as well. So you really had to get it hot to kind of fight against the rain. And, uh, it, just, it was just kind of a mess. You don't want wood to be wet. And so he's, he's showing them. And so he went from mocking them like, you're, you shout louder, maybe your God's asleep. Now he's like... I don't think he's mocking them. He's just showing them the power of the Lord. He's like, I'm pouring water on here. You're, you're going to do it. He says, and he says, do it again, he says. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it a third time. And there was so much water that it ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. Now, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward. And this is what he prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your command. You see the difference with what he's saying here and what he said when he first went to the king and said, it's not going to rain? At the, at the end of that, he said, it's not going to rain until I say so. He really didn't mention the Lord that much, but look how much and how clear he's mentioning the Lord right here. He says, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today by these folks that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And that all these things that I have done have been because of your command. I'm not just making stuff up. This is what you're, this is what you're calling me to do. Lord, make your name known. And I just want to ask this question. How much of your heart is wanting Jesus to be known to other people in your life? Like there's a difference between saying, yes, I believe in Jesus and he's made my life better and I want to live a good life. And there's a, there's a huge difference between that and saying, Jesus, I want you to be made known in my life however you want to. Like here's my life. Be known. Let people see you, feel you, experience you through my life. 
This is a, a cry, a prayer that we should have as followers of Christ. Lord, God of Israel, let it be known, let you be known through me. And then in the next verse, he says, answer me, Lord, answer me. So that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. He didn't say, answer me, Lord, because I'm going to look foolish if you don't. I even poured water on this thing. What was I thinking? He's not trying to protect his image. Everything within him in this moment, he's been humbled, he's been purified. He is saying, God of Israel, let it be known so that these people will see that you're God. I want them to know that you're God. It's not about me, it's about you. And God hears this prayer, and then the fire of the Lord fell, and it burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and all it also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell on their face. They were prostrate and they cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They were in awe of what happened. There was a, an evening sacrifice. Oh, actually, I need to read a little bit further here. No, I don't. I don't need to. So there was a, a morning and an evening sacrifice here. And that goes back in, in the Old Testament. You see a lot of times for the, the morning and the evening sacrifice. Uh, Numbers 21 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be careful to present my offering, my food, my offerings by fire of a soothing aroma to me at their appointed time. You shall offer one lamb in the morning and the other lamb at twilight. Uh, one lamb you shall offer in the evening as the morning grain offering and its drink offering, and you shall offer it as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And so here's the thing. There's a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice, and now God is not calling us to go and be like Elijah and to, to create these scenarios where we, we pray and say, God, rain down fire on here and prove that. God's not wanting us to emulate Elijah this moment. What he wants to show us is that something better than us going out and doing this and showing God has happened. That there's been a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice and it's been fulfilled by Jesus. That's the morning and the evening sacrifice. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was crucified. The morning sacrifice. And then he died in the evening sacrifice. Jesus, the Lamb of God, on the cross, is our sacrifice. There's a time, I think, when um, we can see stories like Elijah and we can maybe feel like um, what we need to do is call down fire on people. Like, look at these you know, prophets that are worshiping. The, they're leading people astray. And so throw down fire on them. Well, they're the problem. They're the issue. Fire them up. Light them up. You know? And so there's, there's times when we may feel that way. And that actually happened with Jesus' disciples in Luke chapter 9. At, at the time, as, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead and who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready. If you remember, the, um, the Samaritans and the, the Jews did not get along. They were, they were enemies. There was a lot of racial tension there. And so they were ready to get things ready for him in the Samaritan village. But the people there did not welcome Jesus because he was heading for 
Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And so when the disciples, James and John, which are two of Jesus' closest, when they saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? I mean, that makes sense. You want us to do that? We'll, we'll get them out of the way. They're in our way. You ever feel like people are in your way? Not just driving. I'll try to get away from that. But, but sometimes in life, I feel like these people are just, I need them out of my life. They, they're just like really a roadblock for me, a stumbling block. And we can feel this visceral desire to like, Lord, I wouldn't mind if you just took them out, you know? Not take them out of the, you know, the ball game. I mean, take them out, you know? And so do you want us to call down a fire from heaven to destroy them? And so what do you think Jesus did here? He turned to James and John and he rebuked them. He's like, no. That's not why I came here. What did Jesus say? He said, I did not come to condemn the world, but I came to what? To save it. These are not the enemy. I came to save them too. And so you think that would, that would uh, excuse me, the wrong verse. And then he and his disciples went to another village. So Jesus continued on his journey there, but he rebuked them. That's not why I'm here. That's not why you're here. We're not called to be the ones to go around calling down fire from heaven to destroy the enemies of God. We're here to point people to Jesus and declare the good news that what Christ has done for us is phenomenal. And so I thought of, you know, what, what is, if we don't call down fire from heaven, what, what is the sign that we can use today that would signify to other people that Jesus is real? What is it about our faith that could separate us so that people would say, oh, I need to turn from Baal or whatever false God that I have and turn to Jesus. What is this evidence that is there? Compassion love. That's great. Compassion love. And I think maybe there's even something much greater than a, a, a fruit of the Spirit. And what I mean by that is many times what we want is the, are the fruits of the Spirit and what we really need is the Spirit. If we have the Holy Spirit, then guess what's going to manifest from us? The fruit. So you, you don't try to make the fruit good. You make the tree good, the root. And so what you're connected to, the vine, Jesus, will produce in you good fruit. And so what we have is something that um, no one else has. We have the Holy Spirit. And, and it comes from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were gathered together in one place. <clears throat> And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. It doesn't mean like, like papers were blowing everywhere. Like, oh, the bulletin, church bulletin, you got to go get it. And, and it wasn't like blowing stuff around. It was just the sound of it. It's the sound of this violent wind came from heaven and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be what? Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So as Christians, God is not calling us to fall, call down fire from heaven to judgment. What we should be calling for is like, God, bring the fire from heaven to me. The new fire, the spirit of fire. Not the spirit of fire, but the, the Holy Spirit that recognizes fire. That makes me think of uh, the, the movie, uh, The Ring of Fire. You know, uh, Nemo, Finding Nemo? Nemo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think of fire. So that's in my head. I need to get it out there so that you can have to wrestle with it too. Um, and so but, but when I think of calling down fire from heaven, God is trying to do a revolutionary work. 
But I'm telling you, if, if we're trying to do the work out there, you're, you're screwing up. You're, you're not called to change the world. You're called to say, God, change me. Change me. And then when you do that, when you're changed, the effect of that will be the change in the world around you. But we get it backwards. We look at people as our obstacles, that they're in the way. They are not in the way. If they're in your life, God has them there for a reason. And God is trying to say, I want to change your life. I want to change your heart. I want to fill you to overflowing with my Holy Spirit. So that's my encouragement today is call on the Lord to fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Say, I want more. Like we sang earlier, I want more. I want more. Lord, I want you. Not so that I can prove to other people that this is real. But so that you will be known. So that you will be exalted. So that people would say, this Jesus is wonderful. Will you pray with me? Lord, we, we praise you so much for how wonderful you are. And we read this miraculous story of how you, you poured down fire from heaven. Even, even just looking at this, Lord, we, we see how, how powerful you are. How good you are. How amazing you are. How, how you heard Elijah's prayer because he was in a, a space where... He wasn't trying to prove and, and make a big name of himself, but Lord, he was just wanting people to know the one true God. He, he was hurting. He was, he was tired of seeing the people falling for lives and li lies and living a lie by worshiping idols. He wanted them to worship the one true God. So, Lord, I pray that's true for us, that all of us would desire to worship the one true God and that we would desire for your name to be known through us to those around us. Lord, when we feel like calling down fire, Today, as we're driving or walking or whatever, we're, we see people as obstacles or remind us that they're not obstacles, that they are objects of your affection, that you are reaching out to them and that we are part of your plan to reach the world. But in order to do that, Lord, we need to be changed. So give us your spirit. Fill us to overflowing. Change who we are. Transform us. Make us more like you, Jesus. Make us more like you. Send down your spirit. Fill us to overflowing and give us that fire from heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.